Hi, I'm Forrest Griffin. Brian Carraway. I'm Lisa Pace. What's up, guys? This is Joseph Benavidez, UFC Flyweight. Hi, this is Greg Jackson, and you're listening to It's MMA Zing, and that is an amazing pun. Get it? Like MMA, but amazing? Amazing. Radio. Welcome to It's Amazing Radio. I am your host, Dr. Law. Got Kid Presentable here. Cheers, fellas. Got Lavender Gooms here. Dios Patria and Libertad. Happy Dominican Independence Day, guys. I mean, Mike cares a little bit about that, but Mike cares more that he's been playing HQ trivia for like two years and he's finally got a fucking win under his belt. Uh, this is my second win. Get your shit straight. Okay. I won the Friends, the Friends trivia a couple oh, weeks ago. Dude, I got like six, seven wins here, bitch. Okay. And we got DJ Mark. So, this would have been one that Stefan would have definitely won. Bobby owes me forty-five cents for my share when I carried him through the Stanley Week win. Well, this was uh, this was Marvel trivia. This one, that's <laughs> just that's just a broader version <laughs> of the Stanley one. Uh, yeah, it was uh, a pretty easy one for us nerds. Yeah, I literally just blew the one question about like which came out first, Ant Man or Guardians of the Galaxy? Did not do well there. Um, all right, guys, you should be playing HQ if you're. Oh, maybe you shouldn't be. It's a shitty enough app. All right, guys. We have a relevant UFC pay-per-view card to talk about. Happening this weekend. There was a card this past weekend. None of us watch anything. But I just want to say happy trails, you know, to Stefan Struve. Enjoy your retirement and enjoy that 50K, baby. And uh, a man who is our age and we saw him fighting in the UFC. I think he showed up when he was like 22, 23. And... Um, Steph, as I described it to you, if I can remember five distinct times of you getting knocked unconscious, you should probably call it a day, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, his nickname was Skyscraper, and when that man got knocked out, it kind of looks like a demolition where they implode a building, and you just watch that slow, sweet collapse. Um, yeah, Struve, uh, it was a little rough for him. Uh, I want to comment, though I didn't see the fight, I did see a stat that they talked about from the fight, which was pretty amazing when you consider it, is uh, Stefan Struve is the only fighter in UFC history to get a finish after the first round without having landed a single significant strike in the fight. I mean, that's, so, that seems like just, you know, that's a Struve so way, baby. I mean, the uh, side commentary was Damian Maya, take notes. Uh, if you oh, want to get that late finish. Oh, yeah. That, that's actually. Damian Maya's got the other thing where, like, nobody hit him for, like, four fights. You know, Struve is the total opposite. And you guys are thinking, can you really think of five times that Struve got knocked out ridiculous? I thought about it. Definitely could. Roy Nelson hit him with an overhand right. He crumpled like a lawn chair. St- uh, fucking Travis Brown, Superman punch. He went flopping to the ground like Sean Bradley. Uh, what was it? What was Roy Nelson hit him with a left hook from hell? Broke his I mean, jaw in half. The, um, the amazing Roy one. Nelson twice. No, he only did Roy Nelson once. I think. No, it was Mark Hunt. You're thinking about Mark. Hunt. Oh, Mark yeah. Hunt. Sorry, Mark Hunt. The, the amazing thing. The amazing thing about that Mark Hunt one, and I remember I was talking to Bobby when we saw it, there was a uh, photo of the x-ray of Struve after the Mark Hunt knockout, and the headline was Struve breaks jaw in punch but uh, by knockout punch from Mark Hunt. But when you look at the uh, x-ray, there's this giant crack through his forehead, and we're like, what's that then? Yeah. The everyone's talking about his jaw. Meanwhile, his actual like cheek through his like forehead skull is also fractured. Why are we not talking about that? Didn't- didn't Mark Hunt literally have to jump to reach his uh his chin? 
Yeah, it was ridiculous. Did Pat, Barry knock him, did Pat Barry knock him out or Pat Barry get choked? I don't know. Stefan Struve got knocked out a bunch. Junior Dos Santos got him real early on with a big, his big overhand right. That was another one. Oh, man, I only got four. Maybe this, he, it definitely happened. Struve got knocked out a lot. Reem, did Reem decision him, Marcus? Do you remember? He might have pounded him out. I don't think he, I don't remember. Maybe yeah. Reem must have just been off a cycle if he didn't uh, knock out stuff in Struve. What well, happened? Well, Reem became mini Reem pretty quick. He kicked Brock in the guts, shrunk down. Um, and uh, we should probably just give credit to the man because he's on a real run here. And our memory of him is really that he managed to lose to Uriah Hall with Uriah Hall have a bow, having a bone sticking out of his foot. But Tiago Santos has won one, two, three, four, eight of nine. And he lost to David Branch in the middle there, but he, I think he's number one contender, which is saying something. If he's not number one contender, this Johnny Walker fight's going to give us a number one contender. So... John I mean, Jones. MMA, <laughs> MMA math, uh, Tiago Santos has a uh, KO win over uh, the guy we're going to talk about in a bit that's fighting for the belt. So, yeah, why not? Yeah, that was, I don't know, was that at 205? That was at oh, middle. Hey, oh, wait, he just, he just got, he just got on us to, to close the door on Stefan Struve. Uh, Alistair did indeed KO him. <laughs> and the fifth knockout you were probably thinking about was Alexander Volkov. I don't remember how he knocked how he got knocked out in that one to be honest. Mike, he's like he got he seemed like a really nice guy, but there's like a lot of fights uh, where you're like Jesus Christ, he looks well, like that. That one doesn't count. Oh, I remember, I remember, St- I remember Stepe knocking him out. Stepe just hit him with like 400 punches. That was another one. Yeah, uh, he knocked out Stepe too. So let's not. He, oh, yeah. That was a big feather in his cap, you know. Struve was never what we kind of hoped he potentially could be, but then again, there was no real precedent for a guy that size really climbing to the top top echelon but he beat stipe in a world you know man you know what Stipe was one of the longest or he was the longest reigning heavyweight champion you know my theory is he was listening to the podcast last week because last week i said man you get around 40 fights that's kind of it that was his 40th fight this past weekend marcus he's got a loss to christian mapumbo which mapumbo is probably i think known as being one of those bellator champions that lost a bunch of fights that were non-title if i'm not mistaken so, not great. Okay. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I really didn't give you anything to comment on. Let's just get into this shit, man. Um, the reigning defending UFC light heavyweight champion of the world, John Dwight Jones, having a fairly quick turnaround. I believe we saw him fight on the New Year's Eve card. Mike's giving a weird face to the name Dwight. It's it's just his middle name is Dwight. It's not that. I mean. I think it's a it's a it's a decent name. What do you want me to tell him, man? I mean, Mike, it's no he's no Kobe Bean. Okay, we don't got to linger on it. Look, you think alpha male like John Jones? You don't think anywhere around his name is Dwight? Maybe that's his pop's name. I hope so. I mean, we got this is MMA where we got Will Brooks, who you think his name is William, and it's not. His name is Willie Love Brooks. That that that's Will Brooks' name. Um, so it's better than Dwight. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, John Jones is coming back to take on the champ, the new champion of my heart, of, of, of my heart and Stefan's heart and Mark's heart, Anthony Smith, Anthony Smith, who I swear to God, I brought it up a few times in this podcast, guys, when he said, nobody's ever expected me to win any of my fights. That shit, that shit hit me in my heart on a level that I was like, this is this dude's job. He's been doing it since 
2008. We're 11 years of no one. He made his debut February 25th, 2008. It's today, February 29th, 2008. I mean, that's a long time. People not believing in you. Stefan, what are the betting odds? Um, let's see. I got them up. They are, ooh, they are not good. I don't um, think they'd be good. <laughs> John Jones minus 750 with Anthony Smith plus 525. Marcus. And uh, actually on some site, on a couple sites, you can get Anthony Smith at plus 700 if you want. You know, if you're so, going to bet on Anthony uh, Smith, you got to go. I lay $10 on that. I was going to say, you, you got to go to Bookmaker. That is yeah. the place where they have no faith in Anthony Smith. Marcus, I know you're not a dumb man, but uh, is there any scenario that he somehow pulls this off? Like, what are the set of circumstances that would need to happen, jokes aside, for him to pull this off? Uh, I mean, I it's extremely unlikely, uh, right? I, I think the only way he really wins this fight is John Jones comes in extremely unprepared and uh, just gets overwhelmed early. Um, I'm, I'm looking through. I mean, I, I, I'm somewhat familiar with Anthony Smith, in, in, but sadly, not his most recent stint where he's done really good. And, you know, looking over his record, you know, this was a guy that struggled early on in his career, you know, having a losing record at a couple points, uh, getting close to 50 50. And in the last couple of years, has really turned it around. And I would say specifically in the last, like, you know, five years, this last, he did a little Bellator stint and we got back in the UFC. He's been, you know, he showed a lot of improvement and, you know, I think how he wins the fight is, like I said, I mean, first it has to be Jones really, you know, is not on the top of his game. Cause I think if Jones is, you know, he's probably the best fighter, you know, in any weight division, you know, in the sport today. But, you know, if John just taking this uh, fight lightly, you know, because of a quick turnaround, because his opponent is not super well known and is not getting a lot of hype around him, um, you know, you we could have a scenario where Anthony Smith is extremely mentally determined to win this fight, and maybe John Jones is overlooking him. Um, we haven't seen that from Jones. I, I think Jones is obviously going to win this fight, but I think you know Anthony being. I'm looking at his his stats here too. He's kind of he's at six four. He's not a short guy. How tall is Jones? I have to scroll up his Wikipedia page. I think like six five. He's like six five, isn't he? Six. He's at, he's like six five, isn't he? He's a pretty big guy. So he's six four two. Obviously, the reach is going to be a bit in his advantage. Yeah. Um, How the fuck did he make middleweight? Yeah, he's, he was. <laughs> kind of water. I mean, we, we've seen Jones struggle with taller fighters like um, uh, Gustafson. You know, Anthony Smith isn't quite that tall, but um, we've seen Anthony Smith be a really well-rounded fighter. So you know, I think if Jones takes this fight lightly, if he's overlooking Anthony Smith, I think Anthony has the ability. To, and I think his, his best shot is to hit him with something standing. Um, Jones still has, I think, the area where he has his most holes isn't the stand-up game. It's not his strong suit. He has decent kicks. His hands aren't super great. He has some good elbows in, in free range. Um, it's really the clinch where Jones is strong, and even more so on the ground when he's on top. He's a fucking monster. So I think if Anthony Smith is going to pull off the miracle, he's going to have to catch Jones standing, which he's done with some good fighters. You know, he he knocked out Shogun. He made it look easy. You know, he he's capable. Of he's got to get in his face, right? He can't let Jones dictate his distance and stuff like that. He's got to try oh, to be yeah. willing to. He's got to he's got to take a couple shots to get in. Uh, well, he has to get close enough to hit him, but not so close. He's going to get grabbed in that fucking clinch, right? I mean, that's yeah. I mean, really, Jones has some deficiencies in his range. He is good at long range because he he likes to use the um what's that kick? The oblique kick yeah. right to the knees. He likes to use push kicks. He likes to use kicks that use a lot of distance that keep people away. 
Um, combine that with the kind of aura this guy's built where guys are kind of scared to get in his face. Um, if Anthony Smith can do that, which we saw DC was able to do that, you know, he got right into Jones' face. He got into clinches with him. He tried to make it dirty. Um, we saw Govson because of the equal uh, height and, you know, uh, range. He was able to, to be fairly successful standing up. Um, Anthony Smith is going to have to, like you said, he's going to make it a fight. He's going to make it dirty and make Jones have to get in punching exchanges with him. I think that's probably where Anthony Smith's going to be at his best. But like we said, Jones, he did take that range really well because if you try to come in, you're going to eat one of those kicks to your obliques. You're going to, you know, potentially blow a knee out or eat, you know, a kick to the head or to the body. He makes it difficult for you to come in um, with a lot of different looks standing. Um, but I, I do think, you know, like, like we mentioned last week or a couple weeks ago, there is just something about Anthony Smith that I've kind of bought in that maybe if any huge upset can happen, maybe this is the guy to do it. The guy that we really, that e even us are just like, yeah, he's going to get blown out of the water. Um, it, Mark, it's that kind of mindset. Mm -hmm. Did you, did you watch the countdown show by chance? I haven't seen it yet. I, I do want to watch it's, it. What I say is with the promotion is every time I hear Anthony Smith talk, it makes me want to pick him. Cause I already, like he was talking about like, yeah, Jones has this aura. He thinks most guys are defeated by the time they get in the cage with Jones because of his aura. And he's like, but Jones is just a man and every man can be killed. And I was like, that's some game of Thrones shit. God damn you, Anthony Smith. Yeah, all men must die. So I mean, well, Mark, Mark's not picking him. I mean, him. well, Stefan, might as well tell me, are you picking him? Are we? Are we doing picks now? I mean, Mark, you're not picking him. I think it's pretty clear based on anything we just discussed. No, I mean, I think uh, ultimately at the end of the day, I I'm going to pick the guy that is kind of. Dumb is it getting? Is it getting out of the first round, Mark? Uh, I think it will. Uh, Jones has a tendency to not rush things. He likes to take his time and let those opportunities present himself. And I think too. Um, the only way that it will end in the first round is if Anthony Smith does what I think we all would agree that his best avenue to victory is to get in his face. Because when you put pressure on Jones, that's when he pushes back. And when Jones pushes back is when he's really fucking dangerous. It reminds me a lot of the Belfort fight where it seemed like he was kind of snoozing until he got hit with something. He's like, oh, fuck this shit. He took him down and ended that fight real quick. I think if Anthony Smith does engage him in kind of a, you know, a dog-eat-dog -dog kind of grudge in his face fight, it's going to make Jones have to push pressure back. And I think that's when Jones usually is able to get on top and win uh, early. I think Anthony Smith might have trouble getting in. And I think this will go into the deep rounds and maybe Jones will finish him late. Steph, what do you think? Um, yeah, he's like I said, uh, if there was anybody who's going to talk themselves into picking Anthony Smith, it was me because I just really wanted to buy into it watching the show. Again, I like everything he said. And um, one thing I think he does well um, that I don't think Mark super specifically stated is I think his 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 finishing instinct is incredibly good. Um, he doesn't start swinging wildly. He doesn't blow his wad. He becomes precise when he smells blood in the water. Like when you look at his fights, this man on this run, he really knows how to finish things. Um, that said, watching the countdown, you know who's saying all the right things too? Motherfucking John Jones is saying all the right things right now for the first time in his career. The way he's interacting with the media, the way he's talking about Anthony Smith saying it's the guys that no one gives a chance that are the most dangerous. Like he is saying all the right things. And the other thing the countdown show reminded me is, oh yeah, when the going gets tough for John Jones, John Jones could take down everyone. John Jones could take down Jesus Christ if he felt like it. Do you remember that DC fight where... DC knew he lost, but all he wanted to do was take down John Jones. If there was anything he did, he just needed to get that one takedown. It didn't matter that he was going to lose. And what happened? John Jones took him down and then sucker punched him and made DC think the, their fight was over with like seven seconds left. History, history. John Jones is fucking incredible. I couldn't do it. 
it, it, John Jones, I feel like John Jones might just absolutely steamroll this yeah, guy. Yeah, see, that's... But, but to the point that I made to Mike earlier, I don't got to be logical anymore. Nothing I say has to make sense. John Jones is going to murder Anthony Smith, and I am picking Anthony Smith. Crazy ass knockout. It's good to know I'm not going to get last place this year, despite what I do. Um, I uh, I think this is going to end sometime in the second round. Did he put Alex away in the second? I think wasn't it? I think wasn't he it put a, him away in the third? It looked like honestly, it looked like it was closer than it was. I mean, he was like, it was kind of like he was just kind of hanging with him. And then at one point, Jones just decided, I'm going to put him on the ground and punch him in the fucking face. And then we're going to be done fighting. And um, yeah, third, I I think he's got a lot to prove here. And I'm just going to assume, because I don't know, the motherfucker's blown it five times um, already, that he's got to think like he can't fuck up again like he did before. He's got to make up for some lost time, man. He's fought like once a year. Pretty much every year in this equation. Once in 14, once in 15, once in 16, once in 17, once in 18. Man's still only 31 years old. Yep. He got his feelings hurt by MMA Junkie the other day because he's clearly still soft as shit when it comes to the media talking to him. But when it comes to fighting, I think he knows what he needs to do. I think he's going to put Anthony Smith down. I think he's going to elbow a hole into Anthony Smith's face. And I have that happening about halfway through the second round. I think he gets on top of Anthony Smith in the second round early enough that Anthony just struggles to try to get up. And eventually the elbows come and we're all going home. Um, can I uh, can I be a little alternate? I'm going to be more specific with my pick on Anthony Smith with how he wins. He's going to crack him. He's going to punch him. He's going to go down a little bit. And then the ref is going to make a questionable stoppage where Dana is very mad because Jones is the fucking champion. You could have let this guy take a little more. He was recovering. He was recovering. But nah, motherfucking ref already called it. I don't know who this ref is going to be, but he's going to call it early for him. <laughs> it's where, a good call. Where, where is this happening? Like what's like what? I think is, it's in Vegas, isn't it? I mean, yeah. you get you. You got to have. I got some hope. Um, okay, and Mike. Uh, as we, guys, we, we, we dug into this card to fight 17 different yeah, ways. Yeah. If you want to save your analysis, well, I'm going to go to you first with Woodley and Osman anyway. So um, I'm just going to say that as uh, the listeners may not know, I'm normally the one that transcribes all of the uh, fight picks and puts them up on the website. And there are a few instances where even before the podcast starts, I already pencil in all of us in the uh, picking section. Mm. And for sure, that was what I did with this fight. So, <laughs> you picked Steph was gonna pick Anthony Smith. No, no, he's all of us. pick John Jones. We're gonna pick Jones. Oh, okay, okay. He's making Mike type extra is what it is. Mike's just bitter. He's got a extra I work. I, I took him on a roller coaster of non logic picking. Nah, but. nah. I, I knew even with that roller coaster, Steph, you were gonna go back to picking Jones. Even, it's, even it's, you're not it's, that crazy. It's, it's just, he did, it's he that. picked Anthony Smith. I thought. Yeah, I, I, he picked Jones. He no, picked Anthony, Anthony Smith. Smith. You weren't even I'm listening wrong. after the roller coaster. <laughs> What's wrong with you? <laughs> exactly, man. Mike, what, we what? really want you to be ch- to win this year, man. It's a real Rudy situation. <laughs> <laughs> Look, man, we're just gonna call 2019 is my exile season. I want to believe, baby. This is this I is just when, want to believe. This is when Jordan went to play baseball. Okay, Stephon's gonna start paying attention like halfway through the year. <laughs> Steph, um, are you gonna make me have to type more right now? Man? <laughs> That's what he's complaining about. Mike, you got Jones also. So let me talk about the co-main event. Tyron, I don't know his middle name, Woodley, against Camaro. If you're Ben Askren, you call him Marty Usman. Um, 
fighting for the welterweight championship of the world. The title with no real controversy. I mean, actually, there is. Wasn't there an interim champion? What happened to that guy? Oh, he's still talking. Nobody cares. Nobody, no likes nobody, nobody cares. He really well, is not, it's not going well. I would disagree with you that this is a championship with no controversy because the controversy is the president hates the champion. What did the president say about the champion? No, no, no. The president has in Dana White. Oh, yeah. He doesn't like him at all. He doesn't. This is like his least favorite champion ever. Woodley's I mean, just Woodley's the I mean, best. Come on. Let's think about this. For me, up until today, I didn't even realize Tyron Woodley was fighting on this card. That's we just run a podcast here, Mike. That's great. Tyron <laughs> Woodley, um, Tyron so Woodley is gonna. Real, sorry, go, sorry ahead. go ahead. I was gonna say real quick is uh, since I did watch the countdown show. Well, I'm getting great footage from Jones, and I'm getting great footage from Smith. You know who I didn't get great footage from in the countdown is Tyron Woodley. You know where they spent the entire countdown footage with Tyron Woodley in the recording studio. Making new tracks. Do you know like, why? Uh, his whole segment. <laughs> well, Woodley has his own vlog he does. So I bet he threw the UFC countdown crew out like, am I getting paid on these YouTube views? No? Fuck I'll you. Say, Get man, out. I was, I was so sure about Woodley, but that footage where it's like, all right, we're going to go bar, bar, verse. And then we're they're just talking about the song structure. And I'm like, this man's not training. It, it, this dude, man is just dropping bars. <laughs> no, here's the thing. Honestly, like, I mean, I didn't watch it, Stefan, but. He's never shown up. He's never shown up unprepared, right? And Usman, to much of our many of our opinions, is appears to be young Tyron Woodley, um, probably without the dynamite right hand. Stefan, what are the betting odds? Um, close, uh, closer than I would have thought. Uh, Tyron Woodley is the favorite, deservedly so, at minus two hundred. But it's only plus one seventy for Kamaru Usman as the dog in the fight. You know, considering Woodley is barely a favorite at every one of these fucking fights. Like, if you look at his, if you click on his name there on Best Fight Odds, Stefan, it's there's never a three next to his name, and it, occasionally there's a two. You know, he is never a big favorite. I think he's gonna win because I, while I think I've been, I was hopping up the Usman train for a while there. I don't think. I'm done. We're done with Tyron Woodley being the best welterweight in the world. As good as Usman is, I think he's going to have to get a decision over Woodley. And I think he's going to get cracked. I don't know if he's going to survive that. I mean, he's never really seen his tin chin tested too much. I'm, 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 I think Woodley's the best welterweight in the world still. It's pretty clear. I don't think, I don't think Usman's the one that beats him. So, uh, Mike, what is your analysis? I don't understand how Usman hasn't been a bigger, um, favorite in a lot of his fights fights i agree with you um woodley has not shown in his championship run that he's not a cerebral fighter he has not shown that he can't you know take away the other person's best skill with damian maya with wonder boy it's not always and pretty he, but they don't have not it always, it's not always it's not always pretty but he always has the game plan to do it mm. um as That's, we talked about real quick, by moves. the way, that is uh, that is Dean Thomas's work as a amateur, as a strategist, and since his retirement, he's been invaluable. I feel to Tyron Woodley, but sorry, go ahead, go ahead. No, and as you've been talking about for a few weeks, Kamara Usman is. I mean, this isn't exact. This isn't exactly an insult by any stretch, but he's sort of a low res Tyron Woodley. I mean, he does everything Tyron Woodley does, maybe just not 
as I, I think my Pokemon analogy was the best one of this to describe this. What, what would I? What, which one did well, I use, I, guys? I, I think that was a <laughs> that was an insult. Calling him Charmeleon to his Charizard. You just said he was a low res version. I'm saying he's gonna get there at least. Like you're right, saying, saying, you're maybe, saying he's he's on a fucking CRT TV. <laughs> you know, I'm I mean, trying to I'm, give him some credit. Nah, I'm trying to say maybe Taiwan Willie's like 1080p and he's like 720. You know. Like it's still good, bitch. That's good. not low. That's not low res. Low res that's is not like low res. What that's are you like about? you go on YouTube and all of a sudden you're like they film this with a fucking potato. It says 240. That's low res. Mike's trying to backtrack in case we ever meet Martin uh, Kamara Usman. <laughs> and we ain't never meet Kamara Usman, uh, but I'm gonna go with Whitley in this fight if that hasn't been an indication of where I'm going. Stefan. Um. Yeah. Uh, part. Of, I'll be honest. Part of the reason that I was willing to let myself take Smith is I thought we were gonna get one and new um and oddly enough it's the massive underdog that i think has a better shot than the close guy because i think tyron woodley is just better than Uthman at everything i think he's a better striker i think he's a better wrestler um well i loved anthony smith's game of thrones shit like i said i think tyron woodley also had one of the lines of the uh countdown show and it was like so what kamara usman's a division two national champion do you know how many division two national champions i whoop the ass of like <laughs> These He's are, like, I'll beat him in boxing. I'll beat him in wrestling. How do you want to fight me? I'll whoop his ass. However, and yeah, like, Steph, Steph, you talked to. Sorry to cut you, but like, yeah, I was listening. To, I remember when they did a conference call, or, or maybe it was a press conference, where he said, "What are you gonna do to me, man? You gonna wrestle me? I'm a better wrestler than you. You gonna strike with me? I'm a better striker than you. You gonna you gonna grapple with me? Do you know jujitsu? Like, like it's what's what's he gonna do to him, man? That's sorry. Go ahead. And also, Steph, that wasn't the best line uh, from that press conference. Bobby told me that one earlier. Go, Steph, what do you got? I mean, obviously, I'm taking Woodley. Woodley was the one that I felt was going to stay. And hell, I, I like him. I want Woodley to stay the champion for as long as fucking possible. I want him to be a thorn in the side of Dana White for as long as possible. Um, Yeah, fist up for Tyron Woodley. Marcus, you gonna, you're really going to go against the man from Strike Force, who's been carrying that banner since. Probably why Dana doesn't like him. What do you got? <laughs> Uh, no, I'm going with Woodley as well, but I really just want to uh, point a light on Usman and say that I think he has a, a decent chance of getting it here. I agree with you guys. I I, I picture Woodley to be just the better all-around fighter, but it wasn't that long ago, and Bobby will remember this because this was your main talking about for Woodley for a long time. This guy used to have a really big stamina problems, which Very it true. seems like he has been able to shore up. Um, but Usman is the type of fighter that maybe could potentially push that gas tank. And I think Woodley has been able to get these decisions handily because he, he kind of, what I vaguely remember of his fights is he's kind of been doing the, uh, Bob, uh, the Robbie Lawler kind of tactic of, you know, have a good, have a strong start, have a strong finish. They'll forget about what happens in those middle rounds. Um, and I think Usman is the guy, if, if he pressures him a lot, if if Woodley is constantly wrestling and Usman, the younger fighter here, is able to push that pace on him, maybe Woodley gets tired towards the end, you know, and maybe he makes a mistake. But that's the only way I, I see Usman uh, winning this fight. I think Woodley has the heavier hands. I, I think he's going to be able to find those hands early and hurt Usman and get him off his game. And that's why I'm ultimately going with Woodley. But I'm not going to be shocked if we come back here next week and Usman pulls off a decision victory here because he pushed Woodley too hard and he didn't have the stamina to go those five rounds. You, you but think you think that's how he gets it done? I I mean I, I I mean I feel you're right. We were all a little bit just more dismissive of him than we needed to be. Usman is excellent. He's hasn't lost in forever. You think a decision for me? I think like if he beats Woodley, it's gonna be that he put him down. 
personally. I mean, I don't mean you could. You it, think it's it. mostly just looking at his track record. He does not finish a lot of guys. I think if if he's going the route where he is able to just outwork Woodley and get him tired, a, a TKO ground and pound finish, I could see happening. You know, if Woodley really gets gassed, right? If he's really just pushing a pace that he can't match and he's able to take Woodley down and get his back. I could see him flattening Woodley out or something and getting some ground and pound stoppage where he's not really hurt. He's just not able to intelligently defend himself. But ultimately I, I do think Woodley just is a better fighter. And I think those, my, my point of his stamina being an issue that was multiple years ago and he seems to have really been able to correct that issue. Um, so I do think Woodley's going to win, but I'm just not going to be shocked if we come back here next week and Usman was able to pull off a grindy victory, which I think he's going to have to do to win the fight. That's just a tough avenue against a guy like Woodley. All right. Ben Askren and Robbie Lawler. Uh, finally, we get Ben Askren in the UFC. The UFC trades their best champion ever. Arguably the pound-for-pound best fighter in the world. Demetrius Mighty Johnson to get a guy who Dana White doesn't like. Um... Who GSP retired because he was too scared to Clearly fight. about that. Um, I like how the best fighter ever possibly retired. And we're just like, oh, we're not going to talk about that because whatever. Um, <laughs> I know. I mean, Honestly, they booked two fucking interim title fights for the next pay-per-view. I don't have the energy to complain right now. Don't get me started on that interim title fight with Max Holloway. That is just such bullshit. Oh, uh, yeah. You know what? We're going to save it for a time where I have more energy to be angry. Um, Ben Askren and Robbie Lawler, Marcus, we think, I think I've had the same conversation with you about 30 times about this. We're like, great that Ben's in the UFC. How did you pick the one fucking guy that I'm least interested? I mean, I'm still excited to watch him fight and I like all Robbie Lawler fights and all that stuff, but I couldn't think of a li less interesting matchup for what I wanted to see because Robbie Lawler isn't a particularly good wrestler. He's okay at stopping takedowns. And he talks zero shit. Robbie Lawler fell asleep during a press conference once in Strike Force. Ben Askren didn't even talk to him during the press during the press conference. He was talking to Usman and like calling out Covington through the microphone. Um, Stefan, betting odds. Uh, ben Askren is a uncomfortably large favorite here for me. Yeah, yeah. uncomfortably large is what I was gonna say. <laughs> uh, he's coming in at minus two ninety to Robbie Lawler's plus two forty five. Uh, yeah, Ben Askren. No, there's some other big favorites on the undercard, but yeah, he's up there. Well, Stefan, let me talk to you about this. So, like, my logic looking at this thing where I know exactly in my head if Ben Askren doesn't win this fight, how it happens, and I know exactly what happens of how he's going to win this fight. But what's working in his favor, honestly, for me, three-round fight because Robbie Lawler doesn't go into Robbie Lawler death mode until, like, round four, right, guys? That's when Robbie Lawler just becomes un untouchable. He's the king of the champions rounds. And Robbie Lawler is not, like, it fell off. Like, I mean, he had all those wars, and then Tyron Woodley hit him with a straight punch, and that was the end of the title reign. So it's not like he's still on that high. I'm going to take Ben Askren, but you know what I'm saying, Steph? <laughs> like, well, I'm just kind of quiet here. Like, I'm taking Ben Askren, but you know what I mean? Like, he's probably got this, but he might not. That's what my analysis is. <laughs> uh... Yeah, I mean, I'm right there with you. I'll just go ahead and follow it up. Um, I'm taking Ben Askren. Uh, ben Askren, for me, he's been my outside of the uh, UFC king. He is my Kenny Omega, let's say, of uh, MMA. He's the guy I've just championed for so long, but Mark knows, boy, do I have a bad track record of, track record of backing guys who are Bellator champions, right? Uh, ben Askren had some fights he should have lost. Um, that kind of have had fluky outcomes, so he never officially got the loss. 
Um, that said, I want to believe he's here to do really well. I would love to watch him fight Habib. That's my current uh, dream matchup. You know, just just because I believe Tony and Habib is uh, snake bitten, so that's not really on the list. I just would really love to see a USA versus Russia of these powerhouse wrestlers. Um, I thought, think that would be great. So I need Askren to win to do that. Um, I'm nervous as hell though because this is a really high. Qu- It'll be the biggest win of Askren's career. To oh, have no, it wouldn't even it. be. Cl- Can you like, name one other person he beat? Like Shinya Aoki. I was gonna say he beat Lima. I remember that happened. Yeah, it's like. While he's such a big favorite, this would by far be the best win of his career, and so it's kind of crazy. But uh, like I said, I, I love narratives, I love stories, and for this story to continue, Ben Askren needs to win. Uh, yeah, Mark, Ben Askren. I like that he's one of Stefan's guys. Stefan not being on Twitter is probably best for his Ben Askren fandom. Marcus, what do you uh, what do you got here, man? I mean, I know we're. I think we're. I mean, are you more confident than me and Stefan? Because both me and Stefan have this thing in our back of our head, like. He might get punched in the face by Robbie Lawler. <laughs> no, I mean, I think that's that's a fair worry to have because you can look at both guys haven't fought in a while. They, I mean, at, at one point, you know, like you mentioned before, Ben, you know, basically retired. So, I mean, mentally, what's that at where you basically have said, I'm hanging up, you know, I'm not going to compete at this high level anymore. And then you get Brock back in. I'm sure he's mentally going to be ready, but it has been, you know, over uh, over a year. So it hasn't been a super long um layoff and the same thing with Robbie it's been about a year since he's fought I think stylistically this fight is in Ben's favor you know Robbie Lawler isn't the best wrestler in the world and uh, you know if if you're not familiar with Ben Askren which is completely plausible because the guy has been fighting on the the lower rung uh, MMA organizations he's a wrestler the quality of Habib um but I would say even less finishing power I think really what we'll probably be talking about come next week is that Ben Askren won, and he won the way that we thought he'd win, and it wasn't super entertaining, but it's a good win for him because, I mean, I think that's going to be the shock for a lot of people. A lot of the fan base that maybe isn't familiar with Ben might see this fight and be like, yeah, he out-wrestled the shit out of Robbie Lawler, but it was a lot of, you know, patty cake Marcus, let me ask you this, because he has no interest in fighting the current champion. It is his training partner and one of his best friends. The fact that him and uh, Woodley are buddies... Um, apparently they did a good like half an hour media scrum that was hilarious today but do you think because he was he just held he was doing everything he could to be champion and he's a wrestler and you just you know you want to be the best and you want to win the tournament or whatever do you think combined the fact that he doesn't necessarily care to fight the champion do you and the fact that he's now 35 i'm just gonna guess somebody tell me if i'm wrong he is um, 34 34 he do you think he recognizes he might like I'm not saying he's gonna like learn punching power, but like he gets Robbie Lawler to the ground. It's not like you can't tap out Robbie Lawler. Like maybe he takes a chance on like a rear naked choke or a arm triangle. He's a little bit more finish intent like finish oriented. And I know there's a lot to ask from a guy who's taking Robbie Lawler in his first fight and octagon jitters and all that stuff, but do you think we're gonna see any of that or is this gonna be Ben Ashworth's gonna take him down, punch him, ride him like a donkey, and we're done? <laughs> I mean, his style has always been to to just ride the guys and tire them out. And if the opportunity presents itself, yeah, I mean, he's gotten, you know, in one championship, he has a lot of finishes, but you look at the guys he's facing and it's like, I don't know who any of these people are. So maybe that's the reason why he's able to finish those guys. Robbie's not an easy finish, but if you're going to get the finish on him, grounding him and, and wrestling him for a couple of rounds, that's going to open up opportunities. I don't know if Ben's going to be super because he's never been you know at least in his stints in bellator and stuff he's never been a guy to 
let the booze bother him. He's there to win, you know, and if he can win by getting a choke and it looks great, he'll go for it. But he's not going to do anything crazy and jeopardize, you know, losing a big fight. He's a very smart, methodical guy. So I, I think a decision is the most likely scenario, but it's not out of the realm of possibilities that if he's just running a train over Robbie and the dude's getting tired and making stupid mistakes like giving up his back, getting hooks in, getting flattened out. Yeah, this guy can absolutely get a rear naked choke or probably more likely a uh, uh, arm triangle choke. That seems to be one of the things he kind of favors. So I think it's possible. But honestly, I think uh, what a lot of people are going to learn that you might not know who Ben Askren is after this fight. If you don't listen to his post fight, you might not be a huge fan of his. I mean, yeah. that's been that's been the road. For him. Did, what what did uh what did Shields get Robbie with? Was it the rear naked or was it the he got him real early? Do you remember what it was? Any of you? Shields got got ta tapped out Robbie real fucking quick. I'm trying to think what it was. It was a guillotine. Guillotine. There we go. He just jumped that shit. Shout out to Shields, the man. Mike, you watched at least the Ben Askren. Does it mean you think you're gonna pick Robbie Lawler or you're not uh gonna? I've definitely watched the least of best Ben Askren, but I've watched enough to know that. At least to me, he was heels Habib before Habib. Human Just, weighted blanket. And I was also going to say, but unlike Habib, um, where Habib, if he gets someone on the ground, you can uh, assume there's going to be a lot of punishment uh, coming his way. Uh, with Ben Askren, I never really enjoyed watching his fight so much because I knew it was just going to dry hump the guy for the next three rounds. And frankly, that's probably what's going to happen with, with, uh, with Robbie Lawler. Um, as we've talked about, Robbie Lawler has very average... Uh, takedown defense and if there's one thing ben askren is really good at is getting the guy to the ground uh so i clean sweep this, i think this is going to be a, a unanimous and boring decision for ben askren yeah i'm just going to quote with um, stefan 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 you should tell me years ago it's sure he's going to lay and pray but it's so exciting how he gets him there exactly this is what i'll say <laughs> we're, we're, we're putting a kind of damper on this ben askren hype but to just explain if you've never seen him and this is gonna be your first time seeing him why i like him there is a beauty in his chain takedowns. Um, and before Khabib showed up, no one did it like this, where he could just keep switching up, go from the single leg to the double leg to get the backward. He just constantly attacks. Maybe the result doesn't have any finishing potential, but how we got there has always been exciting to me. So um, if he can apply that to Robbie, I think that'll be a great uh, you know sign of things to come for him. And to your point too, the top game's there too. Like this, Ben's gonna work all 15 minutes. It just will might be completely one-sided and he won't do any damage. Ben is the guy that he, he's not gonna sit in a guard. He's, he's a much more act he's much more active than somebody like John Fitch was, which I like yeah, John Fitch and all, but like John Fitch laid on top time, of dudes. He's gonna be passing guard, yeah. going to side, going to mount, and the whole time he's gonna be hitting him with little pitter-patter punches that he you know he's not gonna be rearing back and throwing a lot of weight. They're gonna be little hammer fists, but it's gonna be constant. And that's one thing, you know. If you're a grappling aficionado, you probably know Ben Askren. Because if you're into grappling, you want to see this dude that is chain wrestles takedowns, you know, to the highest level. And also when he's on top, the dude just works. But I think to your average fan, it might be like a, a DJ fight where it's just like, man, this guy's kind of just mauling him. He's getting in great positions. But I've seen him get guard to, to half guard to side to mount to back. Just to do it all over again. That's a lot of Ben Askren's fights. Is like he's just advancing positions. He's making the dude work a lot, and he just rinse repeats over and over again until he gets the decision after 15 minutes. So just don't be shocked if we get to round two and you're like, oh man, I'm kind of, you know, I got kind of got to go to the bathroom. I don't want to miss that co-main event. Let me just slip over here, and there you go.
All right, guys, we picked three fucking fights in 40 minutes. So the rest of this card, we're about to hit it real fucking quick. Mike is really excited to talk to us about Wei Li Zhang, um, who is the favorite, right, Stefan, in this car on this fight card? Yeah, I'm gonna make the case for her. Um, she's coming in. At oh, wait, wait, no, no. Are you sure you want to? Because Mike was really excited to talk about uh, Wei Li Zhang. I think we should let him do that first. Actually, I think I should be offering a mea culpa to Wei Li Zhang because I totally shit on her in that <laughs> before the podcast. I was telling, like, Bobby was telling us we're gonna pick seven fights, and I told them, wait, what? We're gonna pick the Tisha Torres fight? Aren't we all picking her? And then I did a little research on. Wei Jang first <laughs> she's the goddamn favorite that surprised me yeah so then I looked her up I saw she had a submission when against Jessica Alex yeah Aguilar that's why I, you know I'm gonna tell you guys right now I'm picking her because she beat Jessica Aguilar <laughs> that's I'm done I, that's I, my I analysis saw that. <laughs> I saw that I'm like what the hell and then I looked at her other fights granted a lot of them were in Asian so you don't know how the the competition level is she, she doesn't lose <laughs> she finished a lot of girls and she's 18 and one um, she uh she's pulled a uh what's it called a uh, Henan Barrow. She lost her debut fight uh and she's won her last 18 and she's been undefeated for 5 years. Yeah, in, I'm uh, on board. She beat of, Jessica Aguilar. I'm on I, board. So 40 minutes I actually changed my I changed my mindset from why are we picking this fight? We're all picking Torres. So yeah, I'm picking Jang. Yeah, I got Jang also. Stefan, you got Jang with us? Yeah, I, do. <laughs> I, I looked her up earlier today just because um to my note, I think she's the first uh Chinese women's fighter in the UFC. So that kind of caught my attention. I decided to look her up. Um, she is fucking vicious standing. You know, I say one one of my critiques of women's MMA is right now it's at that stage where some women can win fights just kind of outworking, right? The the skill isn't totally caught up yet. Um, the the finishing potential is not always there, but you just work hard and you can just outwork people. She f strikes with a viciousness. Mark, if you look up her highlight, she's got a highlight video on YouTube. Um, in two different fights. She does the Hajime no Ippo Dempsey roll. She literally ducks her head down on the chest and just wails 30 hooks. Um, she had, I saw she had a standing knockout from a clinch elbow. Like, again, I don't, like Mike said, these are fighters in Asia. I have no idea the quality, but to be able to do any, this to anybody, it mean, it doesn't necessarily mean something, but it's more than nothing. Um, Tisha's a hell of a fighter, but she's a grinder. She's little, she clinches against the fence. Um, this, Zhang, she looks like she knows how to strike in the clinch. So if Tisha does not manage to actually take it to the mat and ground her, uh, I think Zhang could be a potential interesting star. Um, China would love to have a, a, a fighter to get behind. That is a sleeping giant of TV eyeballs. So, um, yeah, this could be something. Hey, Steph, uh, just so you know, I don't think you got to say the Hajime no Ippo Dempsey role, considering Jack Dempsey was a pretty goddamn famous boxer on his own. He, I did that, but it, the, it's the exaggerated anime version where, like, I counted like twenty-two straight unanswered hooks. So I'm like, I don't think Dempsey went that long. Yeah, I don't think the guy just, just froze there for him. You know uh, what, I, guys? Absurd, but it was it was great. Guys, I'm gonna need Mark to come bring some fucking logic here because we all just went ham on a minus one twenty-five favorite. Marcus Tisha Torres is a goddamn professional. She doesn't lose very often. What do you think? Uh, yeah, I mean, I I don't know. Zang that well so i'm gonna go tisha torres and maybe this is a fight where this is really a big coming out party for her and i think you know a big solid win over tisha torres would definitely you know get my attention um but right now i just don't know her that well um and i'm not too worried about picking tisha torres in a fight um she is a high caliber high quality uh fighter and she definitely has some losses on her record you know her she's coming off two against joanna former champion 
and Jessica Andrade. Um, no, and, no shame in those two, though. No, I mean, they, those are top fighters, you know, and, you know, let's see. I, you know, a lot of times when we have these fights where there's a relative unknown, I always say this is a great opportunity for me to get on your bandwagon, you know, and a high quality win over Tisha Torres will definitely do that because I hold her in really high regard and I have no problems picking her in this fight. Right on. All right. Cody Garbrandt trying to get his shit back on track. Um, coming back after getting knocked out. He hasn't fought since he got knocked out, right? Uh, to, no. To TJ. He breaks his hand a lot, too. Um, I thought his last two losses getting knocked out by TJ. Really needs to get a W here. And Pedro Munoz isn't the easiest guy to get that done against. Pedro Munoz himself, you know, is on a bit of a roll here, man. Um, he lost in John, lost a split to John Dodson, but besides that, he is six and uh, one in his last seven. Um, stuff on the betting odds. Uh, yeah, sorry, I muted myself. Um, Cody is deserving the favorite, but uh, not that big at minus one sixty five to a plus one forty five. Pedro Munoz live dog. Yeah, that's a fair. That's a fair an assistant a fair uh, line there, considering Cody got knocked out twice. And um, they really shouldn't have done that rematch so quickly. UFC doesn't fucking know what they're doing anymore, man. Um, I'm going to take Cody because um, I think I've picked Cody in every one of his fucking fights except the Dominic one. Um, and um, I, while this is a good matchup and a tough test, I do think some logic has to be kicked in at some point here. And they maybe want to get this like 27-year-old goddamn star of theirs back on track. And while Pedro's tough, I think Cody's boxing should allow him to keep you know to, to do well on his feet and Munoz isn't such a good wrestler that I'm worried about him putting Cody down so I got uh, I got Cody getting it done here Mark what do you think yeah um I'm also gonna go with Cody I before the TJ fight and even in that first fight I've always been really impressed with the rise of Cody Garbrandt and his hands I mean and, and really it was that Dominic fight he looked like a completely <laughs> different fighter not only physically but mentally he was just he was kicking down doors and building new walls because he was, you know, living rent free up in Dominic's head in that fight. Um, but we've seen a big hole in this game, and I was and I was just looking at Pedro because I needed to see something crucial. Is this dude Southpaw? Because if he is, you can look at that TJ fight and be like, this dude has a weakness that he didn't show up in that second fight. He has better shirted up now because standing in Southpaw lead right hook was the kryptonite. And, you know, uh, TJ Dillashaw, he looked real sloppy in that second fight because he threw that punch over and over and over again because that's the punch that he won the first fight with. And Cody was susceptible to it and, and lost another fight. Um, you know, if I'm Pedro, I'm looking at that and being like, I might need to think of some moves that are going to allow me to transition quickly into a southpaw stance and throw that lead right hook because that is a definite, definite weakness that if Cody still hasn't adjusted the training to to counteract that could be his downfall in this fight i think cody's got this in the bag i i think and hope that his team's smart enough to see like okay that second fight there is a oh there is a glaring weakness in our defenses here that are getting exploited did, did you guys think did you think that they watched the first fight saw that he almost put tj down in the first like two minutes and thought oh i got this guy Let's just do oh, the yeah. same thing again we, this time. Let's not, let's, not, let's just not get hit. We, this we, time we, we hit him and put we, him we down. We talked about that leading yeah. up into that fight. Their, their mindset, Cody's mindset and his team, was really focused on just, 
what did Cody do good? And let's kind of replicate that again. And and it was not where did the shortcomings come and how can we shore those up? And that's what gives me hesitation. Yeah. That's why I bring up this whole thing. The first thing I wanted to see, I was like, is Pedro Southpaw? Because if he's Southpaw, he's used to standing in that Southpaw stance. If he makes a little adjustment and says, you know what, let's 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 lean on that uh, lead right hook as a, a an a, attack measure here, he could be very successful. Now he he fights orthodox. Um, what I saw in his last fight against um, Brian Caraway is he liked he used the the rear leg front kick to the body very effectively. I think that would be a great move. Use that lead right kick to hit the body instead of bringing it back and going back into uh you know an orthodox stance. Let that leg cut in early, transition to southpaw, do that kick, and then and then follow it up with a right uh, lead right hook. I think that could be a dynamite combination against Cody. If Cody hasn't shored up those defenses, um, I like to think they have, but like we just talked about in that first fight with TJ, sometimes their mindset is not on so much. What can we fix to make this guy better? And just to let's get the confidence back up. Let's get the ego pumping again because we're a bunch of alpha males. Let's pump the chest, dude. Let's do some, let's do some reps and let's get out there and do it. Like, no, you have to think, methodically where are we losing these fights and it's it's fucking one punch dude and dude threw it sloppily a whole fight and was able yeah. to catch you no Let that was that. that whole rematch was a disaster everybody involved um you got cody it's picking a speed up a little bit here mike who do you got yeah i think that the main reason why they probably didn't pick that up the first time was just how emotional uh both of the tj fights were i don't think they're going to encounter that problem now there's been a fair amount of months since the tj fight uh, they've been able to sober up. They've really been able to examine, I think, whatever holes Cody may have in his game. Um, and frankly, losing to TJ twice isn't exactly the worst black mark in the world. Um, before those fights, Cody was ascendant. Um, I mean, to me, his coming out party was that fight against Thomas Almeida. When Thomas was it Thomas Almeida? Yeah. When Thomas Almeida had all the hype in the world. He came with the sunglasses on at the press conference, and Cody took all his squirrel. Yeah, I picked Cody. I remember that one. That was all. That was like one of the few times I did really well this fucking pick thing. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> so I'm going to go with uh, Cody getting back on track um, uh, in this fight. Stefan, clean sweep? Uh, I'm sweeping it, yeah, for Cody. But my concern, um, everything I agree with Mark has said, but I think the X factor, um, I haven't paid attention to his health, so I can't tell you what it is. Um, it's his back. He's had a yep. lot of, he had recurring back injuries and yes, he was susceptible to that punch. But if you look at why, when you look at his Dominic fight, he's showy. He's a very showy. He likes to, he likes to put it out there. He wants to put a show. So he's a defensive fighter via movement, not via guard. You know, he doesn't keep a tight guard. He doesn't keep his hands up. He puts his hands down. He wants to do the Ollie shuffle. He wants to do all these things because he had such tremendous movement. And against Dominic, you saw that movement, but when your back starts to go, your movement's not very good. If you got a stiff back, you don't move laterally too well. You don't go forward and back too quickly. Um, I haven't been tracking it, so I don't know where he is with it, but that's kind of been my concern. And why is he getting hit more? He's not moving as well. Um, so we'll see, right? Uh, hopefully it's a back issue he can get by, but um, Mike's talked about it. Once you've got back issues, they don't tend to get that much better. It just tends to, you just kind of live with this now. 
Um, well, I will say my back issues actually have gotten a lot better in the last two years. Well, so. Modern medicine, baby. That's good. That's great news, Mike. And and actually a fair amount of yoga once or twice. Well, you're not you're not fucking. Yeah, I'm saying you're not grappling and getting fucking dudes trying to choke you and strangle you every goddamn day. Yo, bro, too. can you just be happy for me and my back? I'm. You're just still bitter. You're the tight more man. Why don't you just you know? Calm hey, me. man. I'm glad to hear you're doing better, Mike. It usually only gets worse. Thank you, uh, Steph. It's nice to know there's one friend on this podcast. We're we're really we're gonna pick a couple prelim fights real quickly here. And I just saw I'm looking at Jeremy Stevens and it's like he beat Duho Choi. I'm like, what happened to Duho Choi? Oh, like uh, Korean service. Well, hold Did on, that Bobby, start? Who? I thought who? he got called into. Wait, it. wait, wait, wait. Sorry, sorry. Duho. There we go. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. Okay. Um, Jeremy Stevens, Zabit Magomed, Magomed Sharapov, um, Zabit looking like an Abe Lincoln who just woke up. Um, I'm assuming he's way taller than Jeremy Stevens. Uh, fucking yup. Um, last time we saw Zabit, he was hitting that Z- Subalov stretch, but it was less impressive because Aljo did it to that poor son of a bitch like an hour earlier and tore his knee. Zabit had some decency. Okay. Um, last time we saw Jeremy Stevens, he was getting punched right in the face by Jose Aldo. Um, betting odds, Stefan. Um, the betting odds are. Zabit is a favorite at minus 255 to Jeremy Stevens plus 215. But I will just comment, when it comes to Jeremy Stevens' fight, who cares about the odds? When he wins, he's never the favorite. You know? Yep, that's true. That being said, I'm going to take Zabit because Jeremy Stevens still owes me two grand from the time he ruined my parlay. Um, also, because I really like Zabit, watching him fight. Um, his demeanor, he's like, sometimes he's really, like, he's not aggressive enough on a level that sometimes it reminds me of Musasi, where I'm like, all right, man, you're better than this guy. Let's let's put him down. But um, I think he's too big. I think he's too skilled. I think Jeremy Stevens has got to find a way to like. Jeremy Stevens has got to just wade through the strikes and try to get a big right hand or a big left hand. That's what it's gonna have, it's gonna have to be. It's gonna have to be one of those Jeremy Stevens pulls it out of his ass ones, Stefan. So yeah, I'm got Zabit. What do you think? Um, yeah, you kind of took my descriptor, but I was gonna make it a short point of uh, years ago. I loved this animated show called Clone High. Uh, the main character of this was a teenage Abe Lincoln, and Zabit is a fucking Russian Abe Lincoln. I like Abe Lincoln, if you can't tell. So, uh, Zabit. Stefan taking a hard stance in favor of Abraham Lincoln, arguably the greatest president ever. Mike, what do you got? That's my hot take. <laughs> Abe Lincoln was a cool guy. <laughs> Mike? Uh, I can I can co-sign with that statement, most likely. Um, I'm going to keep it likely. short. Um, I'm going to go with Zabit. Marcus? Uh, I'll switch it up and take Jeremy. Oh, Mark's here to make some moves today, guys. I'll make it interesting. I uh, I agree Zabit uh, has an interesting... I mean, Jeremy Stevens doesn't get grounded by a lot of guys who potentially can win that way. Um, he doesn't get submitted all that often throughout his career. And the dude can throw leather. Um, I think Zabit has a good chance of winning, but again, have no issue picking Jeremy. Yep, it's all fun and games until Zabit puts your ankle behind your own fucking head, though, man. It's all fun and games till that happens to you. Doesn't and finally... Finally, the man, Johnny Goddamn Walker, on a quick turnaround. He's going to be thrusting and making weird faces and all sorts of, you know, crazy shit. He might kick a guy in the face when he's on the ground. We don't know. Taking this fight on short notice, just beat the shit out of Justin Labette in 15 seconds last month. Coming back, going to take on a much tougher opponent in Misha Serkinov. Misha Serkinov finally right in the, right in the ship. You know, um, back in the day, Marcus used to say, man, if you're having, if, if it's not going well for you, we book you against Kingsbury. 
you get yourself fixed. The new version of that is Patrick Cummins at a light heavyweight. They give you Pat Cummins. You shrug off a takedown. You start trying out all your shit. You do all your cool moves. Um, Mike enjoyed that one. <laughs> Johnny Walker, Stefan, is he the favorite? Uh, he is, but it's really close. He's minus 125 to Misha Sirkinov's plus 105. Do you know why? Because Misha Sirkinov is a professional, and he's skilled, and he does a lot of things really well. Johnny Walker's like fighting a drunk guy in the bar. You don't know how this is going to go. I got Johnny Walker. Mark? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm going to go with Misha. Um, I think he, Johnny Walker has been impressive. His uh, stint here in the UFC and in Dana White's uh, contender show or whatever, he's looked really good. You know, he looks like a fun, charismatic guy, and he very well could be the future. This is a big test for him. Um, if he can get past uh, Misha, I, you know, that, I think that really says a lot. I think it's going to be a tough out for him, though. I'm going to go with Misha. I like that I picked Misha in all these damn fights, and now it comes to him fighting a just a nutty guy, and I'm like, nope. Logic going out the door. Stefan? <laughs> um, I'm taking Walker, but to everything you said, I see exactly how he loses. He comes in swinging wild, and Misha just hits him with a clean straight. Yep. Um, straight like, punch, right to the nose almost. He, he lost a little luster losing consecutively to uh, Vulcan and then Glover. Those are, That's nothing to sniff at. You know, Glover's a little older, but both are very quality fighters. Um, but yeah, Sirkinov was the last light heavyweight prospect. He was the last guy we kind of got excited for. Um, so... I, I can see it. Um, Walker's riding a lot of momentum. I'd like to believe, like I said, I just, the story of my picks are I want to believe. So if we can have a new rising prospect, uh, he's the more interesting of the two at this moment. But yeah, I can absolutely see Sirkinov just hitting him with a clean straight. Yeah. Um, it's hoping Max would be on the podcast, our friend whose house we're going to to watch this card so I could be Max. We need Johnny Walker available at your house. For me to celebrate appropriately when Johnny Walker gets to W here. You're going to ask him Mike. for some Johnny Walker blue? Nah, I'm not that classy, man. My family not that classy. Classy? Black. Johnny Walker black. What do you got, Mike? Uh, I'm going to make this pick a true split down the middle. I'm going to go with Serkinov. Yeah, yeah. All right. That's UFC 235 picks. Um, looking at the other fights... Um, Diego Sanchez and Mickey Gall seems like a real opportunity for everybody to get bummed out. No, I think it sounds fun. Sounds cool. And Frankie Signs, I remember, we thought he was going to be something at one point. And uh, he's down there taking on Chito Vera. I like Chito Vera. And I don't know what happened to Frankie Signs there. But uh, there he is. Uh, he lost a bunch. That will explain that. Okay. Um, all right. And uh, they announced a bunch of interim fights and GSP retired. And yeah, we'll just deal with that later. We'll wait for one of these other times where they put on a fight card in Croatia. Let's do stuff we like. Cause Stefan and I went to the movies. Saw right? a movie together. Wait, we went. We went. You know, Bobby Stefan date night. Did you share bringing that shit back? Date night. We had breakfast and then we saw a matinee. This is well, Bobby and Stefan became old friends hanging out on budget events. Exactly. Six dollar movie. That's how you do it, guys. We saw fighting with my family. Um, a film. About the current, uh, well, current retired, I guess, uh, WWE wrestler um, Paige, a.k.a. Soraya um, Bevis Knight. Um, I was pretty familiar with the story beyond just being a wrestling fan. I actually watched the documentary that this movie was based off of. Steph, did you get a chance to watch that by chance yet? Um, I've seen parts here and there, and then I remembered I had actually seen it in the past. Yeah, so the general premise of this thing is that uh, Paige... Um, her family lives in Norwich, England, and her entire family are professional wrestlers. They run their own promotion. 
I want to say WAW or WXW, one of the two. Um, her father, Ricky Knight. Um, her mother, Sweet Soraya, literally named her daughter after her gimmick name. Um, but um, this movie, honestly, got really good reviews. And I was, I realized if I just took out, like, you know, I guess any hist- any inaccuracies and stuff, and I just viewed it as a straight, this is what they presented to me, Steph. They did a really good job. They told a really good story. Uh, what'd you think? Um, yeah, I again being familiar with the story and knowing the minutia, and it was the type of movie I was interested in seeing, but I wasn't so like excited about it that sometimes you know I won't watch any trailers, I won't read any reviews. But this movie, I kind of went in having read some reviews, heard some reviews, and I thought I got a good picture of it. Um, I think it's a movie that's really accessible if you are not a pro wrestling fan. And I think that's one of the really good things about it is they truncate what they need to. They give you broad strokes of things. But if you're a wrestling fan and you watch NXT and you're familiar with Paige's NXT run, then it's understated as hell that they kind of glossed over some very big moments. But you know what? That's for the wrestling fans. That's not for the casual crowd. Um, it's really well done. It's it's written and directed by uh, Stephen Merchant. Um, and he has a fantastic cameo in the movie. Um, he, he has a couple just little minor scenes, but uh, he's that weird, awkward, gangly guy uh, who also played Abe Lincoln in Drunk History. Um, keeping up, he, with that he was in there. He was in there doing a Stephen Merchant thing, man. Stephen Merchant, he did all this stuff for lack he, of a better uh, term. He did all this stuff. <laughs> he's tall, awkward guy. Um, but no, the, he's a great writer. His, his dialogue is fantastic. Uh, Nick Frost playing <coughs> Paige's dad in the movie. Um, her brother looking like a dead ringer for Simon Pegg's like illegitimate son. Like I'm like, is Nick Frost raising Simon Pegg's son in this movie? I don't think it was. He just happened to look like that. But um, you know, it's a really sweet story um, about the family and the brother. I, I really enjoyed it. I was really impressed with the guy playing the brother. I thought he had to do the most like, like he was really good. The whole range of emotions he had to like, he had to exp- display a lot of emotions just based on facial expressions, and that's kind of hard to do. And I thought he did a really good job. I wasn't familiar with him. Jack Loudon. Um, dude killed it. He, he, I totally bought him as, uh, as Zack Knight. I thought he looked a lot like young Zack Knight too. The casting was really well done here. Just in terms of look. Um, the girl playing Paige. Um, what's her name? Not familiar. We had Cersei Lannister yeah. as uh, yeah. Fleet Soraya. His- did, you, did, did you feel they didn't give her enough to do? That was the one thing where I'm like, you probably could have given her more stuff to do. You, I think she they might be the biggest star. more, but I thought she stole every scene she had. Whenever, she all, was very good. All her lines were great. Like I said, Stephen Merchant, he, he, he wrote a lot of the dialogue, and that's one of, I think, his talents is. He, he can be really good at those kind of witty one-liners, and uh, this movie is littered with them. Yeah, and uh, I thought uh, Nick Frost did a really good job portraying her dad because I've seen the documentary, and her dad's a carny. Like, he's a carny promoter, and Nick Frost nailed that shit. And the one part that's really funny is apparently Vince Vaughn does all the jobs at WWE. There's Vince McMahon and then there's Vince Vaughn and Vince Vaughn runs the day to day, the big picture, the scouting, the coaching. There's, there are no other staff on hand. While playing Vince. essentially Vince Vaughn, he did a really good job doing that too. Everybody did their parts well, man. There was no, like, the only thing, the only, my only annoyance at any point was like, well, I know that's not how that shit happened, but whatever. It was a good time. They told this person's story. And one of my takeaways, it's like when we saw Stephen A. Smith on screen uh, and I was like, shit, Vince Vaughn is really tall. He is dwarfing the fuck out of the rock when they stand next to each other. 
Yeah, how big is Vince Vaughn? Like, I he's was like, like six. He's like, like six eight. He's like Hogan sized. Hulk played, or sorry, Hulk. Rock played Hercules for crying out loud with no CGI, and Vince Vaughn just looking bigger than the Rock. But um, yeah, it's a fun movie. Uh, we saw it as a matinee. I think it's perfectly worth that. Yeah, and if you happen to pay full price for it. You'll wonder, Jesus, why are movies so expensive? But you're having that thought anyway, guys. So you might as well see something we're telling you. Eh, you're, you're not going to be disappointed. Um, Mike, what do you got this week? Sorry about that. I was muted. Uh, so I have two things this week. Uh, the first one is on Netflix. It's called Psyche K. It's, uh, it's an anime about this. Uh... Oh, what the hell's going on? We hear you, man. What are you, what are you Spider doing? Spider attack. Is that what happened here? <laughs> Something creeped up on Mike. He is not comfortable. <laughs> While Mike burns you know, his Mark, Yeah, Mark, you get in there. Mike's going to uh, yeah, I'll let Mike cast some spells. For a second. I, I got a couple things. Um, not a ton of games coming out this week, although Dead or Alive 6 comes out, and I'm kind of excited for that. It's been a while since there's been a mainline Dead or Alive game. But um, I did kind of want to spend a little bit of time talking about Anthem, which came out last Friday. Um, I played it over the weekend. I really and reviews it. are harsh. Those reviews, the reviews are, harsh. are, and I think um, you can look at the Metacritic and see a sixty on PC and just be like, "Oh, this game's trash." No, thank you. But um, this game comes in the realm of games like Destiny and Division, where they're kind of like loot uh, shooter looters, kind of what people kind of refer them as. And these games tend to have a lot of issues when they first come out. And the upside to this is also they tend to be able to fix those issues um, over time. And the games tend to get better over time. Um, but what I would say about the reviews, the, um, most of the criticisms come from either technical issues the game has. Uh, it does crash quite a bit. There are bugs um, that definitely deter um, the game. There's a lot of loading screens. They're, they are fairly long. Um, and then there's some design decisions in the game that aren't great. A lot of the guns don't really start getting unique until you reach endgame. Um, you kind of just get better versions of the same things until you kind of get that uh, endgame where you kind of get better loot overall. Um, that's really the criticisms. The, the upside is that, man, it is fucking fun controlling those javelins, feeling like Iron Man. Um, the animations for the different javelins are just executed at the highest level. A lot of time and money went into making the game look really cool, feel really cool. And honestly, I enjoyed the gameplay quite a bit. Um, it is kind of a shooter where you're basically going around doing these missions, um, shooting guns. But your uh, javelins, your little Iron, uh, Iron Man suits also have abilities where they're shooting rockets or mortars or throwing grenades and stuff like that. So you're using those most of the time. And then relying on the guns while those things are on cooldown. Um, just overall, I've been having a really fun time. Uh, I do think I'm still a little bit in the honeymoon phase where this game, the first six, ten hours you play is really fun. Getting new javelins is really cool. Trying out different weapons and abilities is really enjoyable. I feel in the next ten hours or so, it's going to start getting a little bit staler as I'm not unlocking new types of weapons as much. Um, but I think if you have friends, if you like the destinies and the, and the divisions of the world, I think this game is worth checking out at some point. And I think that point kind of depends on how much money you're, you're willing to throw at this to kind of just see how it is. Um, you know, I have a, I have a great little thing going on with Best Buy and their reward system. 
I also had a $10 gift certificate. This game also just spoke to me when I saw it. It just looked really cool, so I want to give it a try. And I have that Best Buy. That Best Buy shit's not coming back, though, is it? That's about no, right. I mean, once, <laughs> once this uh, elapses, um, but I just how things worked out with this purchase, I was able to get the 20% discount, like I always do with with the Best Buy system. But I also had a $10 gift uh, uh, certificate as well, so the game cost me around like 35 bucks, which is a lot easier in than paying the full 64. And especially if those technical issues seem like they might mar you down. Um, for me, I'm playing with a couple friends. So while there's a lot of load screens, we're talking and just kind of joking around. And we've all been enjoying the game quite a bit. So I, I've really had a good time with it. And I think your mileage will vary. And I think it being a 60 should bring up some red lights where maybe, you know, the game looks cool, but you're not willing to put the cash down to wait for it to get to a more playable state. That's totally fair. Um, I've jumped in early and I've really enjoyed it. Um, again, kind of in the honeymoon phases. Uh, the main thing I wanted to really um, talk about uh, this week was I found a new YouTube channel. Um, over the course of the things we've liked, we've recommended a lot of different YouTube channels. Um, this one has not been going on very long, and so there's not a lot of content to go through if you're interested in it. And I'm talking about Jablinski Games. And uh, that doesn't mean anything to anybody because it's a bunch of nonsense words that Jack Black made up to basically start his YouTube channel. Um, he started late last year. He does new videos every Friday. And it wasn't, I only really realized it because a Kotaku ish um, article said that Jack Black is sorry he doesn't, he's sorry, not sorry, he doesn't play games on his gaming channel. And it's just a big inside joke um, where basically every week he goes, sorry, guys, not gaming this week. And I mean, there's a lot of nods if you're kind of into watching streamers and know a little bit about streaming. He talks about his Delgato, which is basically a device you need to stream. It basically allows you to stream your PC um, online and use different uh, setups and stuff like that is my base knowledge of it. Um, but overall, they're really just kind of more vlogs of Jack Black and when I first started watching it, I kind of thought like, okay, I kind of think he has some kids that you see. And I'm like, okay, I think the kids probably got into YouTube and watching gamers on YouTube. And then they kind of told their dad about it. And now he got kind of interested. But no, the reality is that Jack Black just wanted to fucking do this shit. And his kids do not like it. His oldest kid, every time the camera's on him, he's always just putting his, his hand up and be like, dad, stop it. So it's a lot of Jack Black being a dad. But I will say, um, the, the kind of running joke is that he doesn't game on his gaming channel, but he actually does. And what he does is he actually puts spotlight on a lot of older games that were more interested to him as his childhood. He went to the pinball arcade at one episode. Um, he showed this really weird system that I wasn't even sure. It's basically a, a console that comes with this little uh, CVRT TV that you put filters on to get different colors to come up. And then, and then what I think was one of the interesting things, he was playing Atari 2600 Pitfall, and he's like, man, when I was a kid, this game was so cool. It's like, I did the commercial for it. And I, was like, I was like, what? Jack Black did a commercial for Pitfall when he was a kid? And he, show, he shows a clip. He's like 11 years old talking and wearing that little stupid safari hat talking about Pitfall. So um, I think it's really worth checking out. There's, a, there's not that many videos. The newer ones tend to be a little bit longer, getting past the 10-minute mark. But the first couple are like 30 seconds long. And I mean, look, you, you either like Jack Black or you don't. If you don't, these videos aren't going to change your mind. But if you like Jack Black and his weird skippity bop, you know, uh, scatting around and messing with musicians and stuff, you'll like Jablinski games. He's really fun. And if you like Jack Black, you will like Eric Bugenhagen. Yeah, everybody, we're still telling you. 
there's time to join the Church of Bugenhagen. I'm sure he hasn't been on TV since. I bet they're getting him ready for the big push. All right. I saw someone on YouTube posted like it was basically like an NXT kind of like real mini show that actually kind of looked like what we saw in the movie where there is only one line of chairs around the ring. Like it's a real small. You see the pipes on the ceiling, like maybe like 15 feet high. Like it's a real small like gymnasium type thing. But I saw him in a match there. They gave him a tag team partner. Good. That might Bugen be a thing. Bugenhagen's a man. Mike, are you okay? And what do you have this week? Yeah, sorry about that. Uh, my computer's when it's asleep mode all of a sudden. Uh, so, two- so not the spider that Mark was guessing. Okay. No, not a spider. Uh, I would have killed that. Uh, so two quick things this week. Uh, one of them is an anime that I've started watching on Netflix called The Psyche K. Uh, it's an anime about a high school boy who has amazing psychic powers, uh, psychic powers to the point that if he were to control them, he could possibly destroy the world. But it's not your common uh, anime where he's trying to save the world or he has to fight a big villain or anything like that. No, pretty much every episode is a, uh, a, it's a gag comedy show where he's just trying to live a normal life but all of the characters in the show around him cause him to not be able to do that uh for example um there's one particular episode where there's a cat that um is walking down the street and you find out one of his abilities is that he's able to talk to animals and you find out that the cat is just a really big asshole where he'll get people to pet him and then you'll just hear his thoughts like like yeah pet me you fucking slave like like that's all humans are good for for feeding and for petting and as soon as uh you're done petting me i'm gonna scratch the shit out of you and and he hates the fact that like you know, this guy doesn't want to pet him and like just kind of hates him. And, uh, you know, it's it's a really funny show. Um, I'm starting to binge watch it a lot now that I've finished the Umbrella Academy that I think it was Mark re- recommended that last week. And stuff on. I was actually going to talk and about it a little bit more. But what do you think, Mike? I I enjoyed it very well. I started watching it when um, when you guys recommended it. If I'm right, that was last week. And I finished it maybe about two days ago. So I'm looking forward to whenever that second season comes out. And uh, the second thing for me, um, the second thing I like this week is humility. Because no matter how great you think you are, or how smart you think you are, fate will find a way to remind you that you are an idiot. Yesterday, I was uh, steaming my uh, pants for work today, and um, there was like little dust particles on the actual steamer while it was going, and I decided, oh, no, this is all getting on my pants. I need to wipe the steamer, and what did my idiot self wipe the on steamer on? Your hand. (laughs) Hand. Your hand, of course. No, well, okay, maybe but, of course, but for me, it was my very meaty thigh. Okay, that's weird. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well within, done, brother. Within half a second, I realized that was a horrible mistake when I felt the searing pain of the full blast theme just enter my leg. Um, it doesn't feel good. I woke up this morning. There is a very big red spot on my leg. Well done, man. As someone who burns himself a lot, 
That was a good one. Way to go. Um, Stefan, you have anything else you want to talk about? Oh, I was just going to chime in on Umbrella Academy just because I wanted to revisit it. Um, so I recommended it. I just started it, but I went through it. Um, if you haven't watched it, I'm going to pitch it again because uh, it's not a perfect show. There's definitely moments that kind of lulled in the middle for me and some plot threads that I was a little iffy on. But fuck, I love the soundtrack of this show. Um, this soundtrack is the best utilized soundtrack in anything I've watched, I would say, since the first Guardians of the Galaxy um, with a plot line of kids who were born in the 80s and then kind of grew up through the 90s, became adults in the 2000s. Uh, that's me. And for me, it was a kind of revisiting timeline. The, the soundtrack of this mo- or of this series is like hit songs from the late 80s through the early 90s. And as you progress to the show of like every progressive song was I remember when it was a hit song. Um, so it was just a really cool trip down memory lane. And I always thought the music, it really complimented um, the way they shot their action sequences were very, very cinematic. If there's anything I could say about the show, it is it has a very movie-esque budget to it um, for what it is. Like the uh, chimpanzee character, that's some high-quality CG character right there for a TV show, I must say. Um, yeah, I, if, if you're a fan of comic books at all, I, I couldn't see how you wouldn't have some appreciation for this show. So really do check it out. All right, boys and girls. We'll talk about some stuff next week because I'm, if I'm not mistaken, does the, is the UFC just taking a fat shit on our, uh, you know, on our shoes next week with a card, or is it any, is this thing any decent? Um, I haven't looked at it. I didn't check. Yeah. Well, let's take a look real quickly. Derek Lewis Jr. Dos Santos. Okay, we got to talk about that. That's oh, it gets real questionable after that. Ben Rothwell's on the card, guys. Mark, weren't you just asking about Man, Ben yeah, Rothwell? Yeah, he died. <laughs> okay. Man, it gets real iffy, real iffy, real quick on this one. Oh, man. Okay. Whew. Good to know Louis Smoker still got a job. All right, guys. Yeah, we'll talk about, you know, the bullshit. And we'll get to be real angry next week. And we're not talking about ESPN signing a deal to air PFL because we're not so sure what PFL is even at this point. I keep forgetting it's World Series or what. I, I, yeah, I had, to write, I had to write that. I had to be like, what's PFL? Oh, yeah, it's that. Are they just going to so, immediately put it on Dana's tombstone that he keeps in his office? I'm just like I just view it as like ESPN Plus is like all right we gotta do some ESPN's like we gotta do some stuff we gotta like the zones out there signing literally other every other person on the planet we got we gotta do other shit so I mean I would have gone with like what's that one in New Jersey a legacy you know the minor league one where's Cage so Rage than, at London I think Cage Rage doesn't exist either mm. what's the one Cage Warriors is the one that's uh, the Irish one I think the one mm-hmm. Connor was Connor was champion. I think. Anyway, we'll be back next week. Uh, thank you all so much for listening. Really appreciate it. Check out Umbrella Academy because this podcast is essentially a commercial for it or at this point. Um, I, are you guys sure that Ant-Man and the Wasp is on Netflix now, though, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like how Netflix, Netflix is giving me notifications. Like, Do you believe us now? Now that Netflix <laughs> literally said, like, hey, fucker, it's been on here. I got to tell you about someone on Netflix is listening to the podcast. I got targeted. Um, all right. I was Dr. Law. That was Kid Presentable, that was Lavender Gooms, and that was DJ Mark. We'll all see you next week. Peace out. See ya. See you guys. Later.